30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard The human body is a fascinating machine. Our nervous system spans over 60,000 miles, meaning you could wrap it around the Earth twice. It wires our bodies from head to toe, letting us experience both pleasure and pain. If I were to describe the sensation of someone slowly running a single finger up your arm, you might be able to conjure up those feelings, piecing together a simulation of sensation from your prior memories of soft caresses. Likewise, physical touch can bring deep-seated emotions and memories up to the surface. The tender stimulation of nerve endings, activating triggers for specific inner states. And of course, this mind-body neurological interface is very sensitive to context. Humans are not machines where pressing a single button always returns the same results. Similar physical sensations can generate feelings of pleasure or panic, depending entirely on the who, how, where, or why. Thus, as meaty beings trying to make our metaphysical way in the world today, our bodies offer a plethora of possibilities and potential pitfalls. We often talk about trying to get in touch with ourselves, and sometimes that actually requires someone else physically touching ourselves. As a somatic sex educator, sexological body worker, and healer, Britta Love does precisely that. With a focus on consent and communication, Britta interfaces with human nervous systems enabling people to work through trauma, unlock pleasure, or simply get in touch with themselves. And sometimes that touch is quite literal, as in group wanks that allow people to communally and individually participate in a ritual of self-pleasure, not unlike the time-spanning pleasure magic of our recent 6-9 ceremony available in the podcast archives. So whatever type of body you possess, let's get in touch with it now as we learn how to practice sexual healing. Hello, Britta. Hi. Welcome to Ritual Space. Thank you for having me here. What's our magic word going to be? Uh, today, our magic word's going to be pleasure. Pleasure. That is such a good magical word. <laughs> it is. It brings a lot of magic in many ways. It's resonating with the frequencies we've just created on this podcast, so I'm very happy. So one, two, three. Pleasure. pleasure. Perfect. <laughs> Talk to me about pleasure. Wow. Well, there's so many dimensions to pleasure. Um, I feel like I think of pleasure as a teacher. Um, one of my uh, one of my human teachers, um, Kath and Jesse, talks about how life, the intelligence of life, naturally wants to move towards pleasure. So, like moving towards warmth and light, and you know, soaking up nutrients or finding delicious things to eat. Like these are like pleasurable acts, and yet they're necessary for growth and um, and to thrive. And so, I feel like often 
in our culture or in Western culture, there's a lot of like a different way of thinking about pleasure as this kind of extra thing that you hopefully get on top of your basic needs. And it's a little bit kind of almost like overindulgent sometimes to think too much about your pleasure. And I love reframing that as like, no pleasure is this like fundamental life force drive that we all have this like need to pursue. It's the motivating signal rather than the cherry on the Sunday. That's like a nice to have, but Mm -hmm. we'll kind of give you a side eye for like, why are you bothering to eat a Sunday in the first place? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now you work with pleasure Mm -hmm. and I'd love for you to just give an overview of uh, what is the work that you do and how does pleasure relate to it? Sure. Um, So my work is as a somatic sex educator and, um, and that brings in so many different dimensions. Um, It's basically a like somatic body based practice um, where people come for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes it's, you know, working through pleasure, through trauma to even get to pleasure. Um, but sometimes just to expand pleasure or explore more of their bodies. Um, and so pleasure is like this core component or theme that runs through the work. And, um, you know, sometimes we're also starting from a place where we need to talk about how, when we're working with a body other than our own, how we even find our way to pleasure. So there's a lot of work around consent and boundaries and um, learning how to feel in your body, what does and doesn't give you pleasure, and then to trust that information and then to honor that information by actually expressing it. And so all those steps, I think, are often missing from consent conversations because we're not we're really taught in our culture quite often to like go to the doctor let him do what he has to do to your body like you know kiss uncle so-and-so when you're a kid you know all these things that sort of teach us to override those impulses those internal desire or lack thereof impulses and um so sometimes even when we're talking about like consent and finding connection it's like well first how do we tune into what we do and don't want and how do we like honor those feelings and trust them as like important and valid well consent is often treated like a binary like yes you've consented or no you have not Mm -hmm. and i love what you just said because i think it implies like yes i consented for you to touch my body but not in the way you're touching it right now you're not doing the way that i want it or the way that works for me Mm -hmm. and adjusting the consent through the conversation of yeah level setting yeah, when I'm doing somatic work, the um, there's kind of this rule that for the most of the work that when it when we do move to do work on a massage table and it's like one way touch um, from me to the client um, only at their invitation and only um, like in, in accordance to their desire. And that can change moment to moment. Like I'm constantly asking, for, you know, what could make this even better or like would more or less pressure be better or like challenging my clients to like tune in more and more to what actually is happening in their body in every any given second. Um, and there's also different dimensions to consent too. I just did this training um, with Betty Martin on the wheel of consent, which is this whole model of like, the different roles we can be in. So you can be in consent and know that you're just allowing someone to touch you the way they want, but it's within your own consent. You want to give that gift to someone Um, or you can, you know, be in service and it's not really what would get you off, but you're like just happy to give someone else that gift. Um, So like the four quadrants are like serve and accept, take and allow. And Mm -hmm. we practice like, 
you know, that all gets kind of heady, but it, it kind of that goes away once you start just doing this exercise of a three minute game where you take turns saying, you know, how would you like to touch me for three minutes? And then we would both take turns saying that. And then how would you like to be touched for three minutes? Mm. And of course, like you then check in about whether that's an acceptable gift that mm. the person feels you know, happy to give. Um, but then experiencing that, because often during sex, there's all this like unspoken, oh, this isn't really exactly getting me off, but they seem really into it. So I'll just go with it. But maybe they think they're giving you the gift and you think you're giving the gift. And you, there's it's the a, gift of the mad guy. Where yeah, it's exactly. like, you're like, oh, this, I hate doing this, but I'm doing it because that's what they want. And they're like, oh, I hate this, but it's what they want. And then neither of you is satisfied because communication isn't happening. Exactly. So like really feeling into like when you practice that with a partner, um, like what's, you know, practice taking turns, giving and receiving the gift. And what the wheel does is it separates out doing and giving. So quite often we assume like, oh, if I said, Devin, you know, can I give you a hug? Like, who is that for, right? It's very unclear, mm. the language. Is it because I want the experience of hugging you or is it because can I give you something that you want? Right. And so, you know, that allows for a lot more, like, smoothness and, like, like in the sense of, like, they're not being socially awkward expression of desire because we're not comfortable culturally with that. But actually, it also leads to a lot of confusion as to, like, how we each get what we want and and why we're doing things at a given time so really breaking down like um you know maybe I would say hey Devin would you like to share a hug saying like yeah I want it too but only if it's like something you really want to do too or I'd really like a hug right now could you give me one could you provide that for me yeah Yeah. which might not mean you want one but you're happy to give me one you know and your signal is clear then where I know that you are you need one and that's what or you you really desire one and that's Mm -hmm. what you're asking instead of me being like oh that seems like it's like I'm busy and I didn't realize that that was you had a a much more specific ask Mm -hmm. than what it just seemed like on the surface yeah exactly so it's like a lot of working with like what the embodiment of those different feelings are and like most people I think find that when they start doing that work that um they're not maybe they're better at some quadrants and not at at others so like just like allowing someone to like to do things to them is like a really normal thing but to actually take their own pleasure and take it like directly sensorily not because you think you're making the other person feel good and that makes you feel good but literally my hands are taking pleasure from touching this body right now that can be an art especially I think for people socialized female but like everyone ultimately because we're not taught to be that comfortable with that quadrant of taking because we think of it as like you know, the shadow of the, t- um, there's a shadow to each quadrant. The shadow of taking is like rape and theft and like mm. passive aggressive behavior and manipulation. And so all these like things that are scary, but what we- Taking without asking. Taking without asking, exactly. And what's interesting to me, I always thought, oh, I just don't really have that urge to take. But then I thought about it and actually it's like, there are all these subtle ways that, because we all have to do all four quadrants in different yeah. moments. So there's all these subtle ways that you end up taking, but indirectly, which is not really in like, like in the wheel in the in the circle of consent and so it's like about learning how to like fully embody each of those but that's just one piece of um what I was doing in somatic sex education and I'm going deeper into now I'm doing a 
whole six month immersion this fall because it feels so important in this like Me Too moment where we're really trying to talk about consent, but we're assuming that people have access to their choice and their voice in that moment of giving consent. And we know that power dynamics can really make that a, a, like make that a very difficult um, sort of framework, but also just being able to express in the moment and feel in the moment and feel that a feeling changing in that moment is valid to like express as well, you know, just um, so there's like a ton in there. And actually people always kind of or not, I shouldn't say people always, but often in more mainstream communities, when I bring this up, people kind of think of consent as this like, ugh, like buzzkill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's so boring. And I'm like, oh, no. am I going to have to have a form to fill yeah, out exactly. if I'm going to make out with somebody? Oh, what's this about? Yeah, exactly. And which is so sad because when you go deep into the stuff, it's so juicy and you're getting you're going deeper into your pleasure. You're getting more clear on on what you want and what the other person wants and what you can give that person and what you can share. And like my teacher, Betty Martin, says like the best sex is when you're kind of both taking at the same time, you know, but yeah. like consensually, you know, getting into well, that. I think as you zoom in, there is clarity, but there's also more and more uncertainty because it gets so nebulous that mm-hmm. the idea of, well, I'm doing this to please you but I enjoy (laughs) pleasing you Mm -hmm. so then you're actually allowing me to do this and it's feeding into this and you know kink dynamics it can get so confusing of like we have all these different terms for who's the top and who's the bottom and who's the master and who's the sub and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but it gets so it's it's all cyclical it's all relationships that are feeding into each other and it's not one-way relationships that are so clear and defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like there's, um, you know, in once you're actually having like, you know, nor, you're not practicing it with a somatic sex educator or in a workshop, then of course, like, the what quadrant you're in or whether you're in multiple quadrants at the same time is like changing all the time. But like getting like really fluent in what each of those four feel like for you and how you navigate them helps you be able to like layer all these different states and then with kink it's like a wheel within a wheel because you might be in service Mm -hmm. right as um like as a dom like in some way but then of course then you're you're using those four quadrants but all within the quadrant of I'm actually, this is about their pleasure. Right. You know, so it's like, it's kind of trippy. Yeah. (laughs) So for someone who's listening to this and has never heard of uh, somatic sex education, Mm -hmm. what would be, like, I know that there's a variety of reasons where someone would seek this out, but what would be like a common use case and what would the service then look like? You know, like Mm -hmm. if I'm, my shoulders are tight, I would go see a masseuse. They're going to help me not have tight shoulders anymore what is the uh what's an example you can use to illustrate uh the practice Mm -hmm. um i would say like there maybe i'll give you like three like short examples because it's a wide wide range um you know one could be you know i've experienced um a lot of sexual trauma in my life and maybe i have scar tissue um in my body from from that experience or maybe i just feel like it's very difficult to trust and open up or i have some some um, pelvic pain and i want to go into a space with like basically a sexual healer who's going to allow me to um feel into what's happening in my body at those places maybe you do some scar tissue release and start to bring sensation and breath back to those places so that would be one uh, one space another space that's like kind of the more like 
and we're all kind of interfacing in all these ways but this is like the tr more like coming in from a space of like trauma and healing and then there's like really education like I, I don't have trauma there but anal pleasure feels like a really difficult thing to explore with my partner and I'm not even sure how I feel about it and it feels really high risk to introduce with someone that I don't you know that I'm really intimate with but if I brought it to a space with someone who does this work all the time and can help teach me about my body and and I can explore whether this is something I even want to do more in my personal life I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to this person and they're gonna help me on that journey and then so that's like the educational and then like the third piece is really is really just pleasure and altered states really is like I want a space where I'm not in this two-way exchange which hopefully we are in when we're with another person or three-way or however for many yeah. people of like wanting to make sure every person's getting their pleasure and equaling it all out I want to go to a space that's for me where I know this person's not there with their own erotic motivations they're there to like really hold space for me to go deep into my eroticism and that freedom and that permission to not be worrying about, am I giving this person pleasure? Are they happy? Are they bored touching me now? Um, so that you can go more into what sometimes called a Taoist erotic massage. I, I prefer to call it an ecstatic erotic massage um, because, you know, it's sort of a weird appropriation of Taoism, but it's about like going. Like, Does that come from like Montauk Chia's like? Taoist sexual alchemy kind of stuff probably I don't know yeah. the exact lineage I think it came through Joseph Kramer and some of the early body electric stuff and I don't know where yeah. he got it from because somatic sex education is based on sexological body work which really came out of um, like the AIDS crisis and like men trying to find in the gay community ways to like have the their um, their ecstasy and connection that they'd been having in a safe yeah. container and so that's actually where the sexological body work came from and became like this healing modality and then people started realizing wait this isn't really trauma informed you don't know if someone gets on your table whether touching somewhere what you know and they get triggered or dissociate like we need to have that in the container and also like a more an anti-oppressive lens as well so that's all kind of built into it now so but, um, back to the the pleasure and the trans states you might do an ecstatic erotic massage just to see what it's like to have you know 45 minutes of um, like erotic touch that's just for you that's directed like usually spend some time getting to know the person's body usually if you're doing that work you work over several sessions to even get to that to make sure that you kind of know that the person on the table is able to communicate when they need to to stop or to do this differently and like really get build up to that um, experience and then you can kind of have touch that's more improvised because we know the range of what the body that particular body likes and then it kind of you build the energy and then by the end um, you do like a series of breath work where you kind of like magically alchemically like transmute that um, that sexual energy in charge into something else and people have like very powerful like altered state experiences um it could also be a great opportunity to launch a sigil or you know right do work like that um if you're magically inclined and um so those are kind of like the three prongs of the work um and quite often there's overlap it's like you know i want to explore more pleasure but i also have this trauma you know it's not so separate um and I think the other thing that I was going to say about the work is that um, it's um, it's really about, you know, there's it's about being able to do things through the body. But there's a lot of pieces that 
Um, sometimes I've had a series of sessions where we're not even doing any touch. You know, the person's maybe touching themselves as homework is like doing boundary exercises, like to just, you know, be able to say stop and come forward, you know, looking at me in terms of letting me into their space and practicing mm -hmm. just communicating that. Cause where do we get that education? Um, and also I feel like there is this opportunity where my, um, my history in sex work, which really brought me to sexual healing work, um, because I realized pretty quickly that that's what it was, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, always made me think because I primarily saw cis men, uh, straight cis men. And, um, and I, I was always thinking like, wow, what a gift to be able to go into a space and know that this touch was going to be all for you and have this experience. Um, and yet as like a cis woman, I was always like, where would I really feel comfortable even, you know, especially finding a straight male escort, how would I find that experience? Um, and so I tend to work now more in my somatic sex education practice, not exclusively at all. I work with all bodies and all genders, but it's wonderful to be working with more people like socialized female and like just different bodies and different backgrounds than maybe often feel they have access under this certain patriarchal construct of other sex work of like. Um, being able to hire someone to help them with their embodiment and their pleasure journey. Because it's a totally foreign concept for a lot of people to think about that, whereas I think there's definitely male cultures where that's known, that is on the table, mm -hmm. you can seek that out, you can figure out exactly what variety of that. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, I, I know someone that worked at a like tantric massage thing that was near Wall Street, so it's guys that are coming mm -hmm. in after a long day of, you know, stock trading or whatever yeah. happens on Wall Street, <laughs> drinking children's blood. Yeah. And then they're all like, those things. I want I want this psychedelic mm -hmm. masturbatory uh pleasure experience that awesome, good for them. But like mm -hmm. I think that's great to democratize that and make it more available to more yeah, people. Absolutely. I, they're maybe not the ones, the Wall Street brokers are maybe not <laughs> the ones that like most deserve that. <laughs> I'm not gonna I mean I think pleasures are birthright in some ways, but it does feel like another space where um, where the access, like the healing from a healing justice perspective, it's like, of course, the people who can spend hundreds of dollars on a, yeah. on a tantric sex session, you know, or, you know, and there's, there's that piece as well. I mean, even with my work where I try to, I have a very limited practice because I do, I am committed to having a sliding scale. So I have other work that's able to sustain me financially mm -hmm. so that I can sustain that but um it's hard to access like healing spaces quite often because there is this culture that it's like oh if you work on wall street you can afford to hire a somatic sex educator go to the 150 dollar breathwork session and then yeah. you know have all those things everything gets commodified mm -hmm. and i think it's very important to actively work against that flow and to try and find ways that it doesn't always end up just creating luxury goods absolutely i think that's one thing that i've been thinking more about lately um is like how do we do collective mutual care and how do we how could we do that for um for around pleasure like you know it seems so taboo the idea that oh me and my friends support each other's erotic needs right like that's that sounds like a whole can of worms right but what friends if with benefits but then that is now such like a loaded term and mm -hmm. often used to mean oh i'm in a relationship where we haven't clearly established boundaries or right. um emotional relationships to that it's mm -hmm. it's like we're, we're we're having sex but we're not talking about it it's yeah often what I've exactly i got really inspired because 
I'm now, I've seen in the last couple months, a few people who are here in New York City who are getting their training to be somatic sex educators. And they needed, like I did when I did my training, bodies to practice on. And mm-hmm. I volunteered to be a body. And I did this session a few weeks ago where I received. What a noble volunteer. I am so, I, yeah. I try. You know, <laughs> I try to try my best and uh, to contribute to the world. And as I did this session, and it was like, it was great. It was for the um, ecstatic erotic massage. And the person's also a friend of mine, um, well, has become a friend of mine. And I thought, well, wow, could you imagine if we just like did this for each other every other week? Like, not like we're going to get in bed and have this kind of thing that's a lot more like difficult to navigate in terms of like two ways and like keeping it even. But just like you come to my space and like just relax. I'm like clothed. You're on the table. Just like relax and enjoy. And I'm going to work with you and your breath and your pleasure and bring you to that space. And the next week, can you do the same for me for an hour? Like bonobos. Exactly. Like, oh, <laughs> hey, you seem like you're angry. Can I give you a hand job real exactly. quick? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we need to we need to negotiate this deal. Let's get each other off, and then we'll consider this. Uh, yeah, it's way better than spinning in your hand. So so much. <laughs> it feels like this whole territory that can feel you know, and the same as like the you know the group wank the, the the you know the the group masturbation thing. Like it can feel initially like oh what going into that space with friends in this way that we're not going to be like an orgy, but how do we? But it's like actually it's a like kind of revolutionary because you're releasing all the shame and weirdness, like the, all the feelings that come up for a lot of us when we think about those things and B it's like bringing pleasure to that bonobo, like that a bonobo approach, which feels like when you think of chimps and bonobos is like equally evolutionarily related to mm-hmm. us. It, I always, when I first started learning about them was like, Oh, we have consciousness though. So we can kind of choose, like we have epigenetics, like what are, what environment are we going to put these genes in to like express more of our bonobo ways yeah. rather than our chimpanzee ways. And it was so liberating. And of course, like really patriarchal, like historical, like, you know, um, like studies of biology of sort of like pushed this chimp agenda as to explain why mankind in quotes you know is behaves the way it does but what if we really engendered this bonobo way of being and so i I think that it could definitely be a way to do that i love that unleash your inner bonobo exactly it's you know one of my favorite definitions of the occult is that which is hidden or obscure and sex is absolutely that we have this weird contradictory state right now where you can see pornography everywhere and Mm -hmm. sex and advertising and it's just you know compared to a hundred years ago clothing is less modest it's like it's everywhere and yet at the same time everyone has this secret sexual life that is pretty much hidden like when you walk into an office you have no idea which of your coworkers was having crazy sex the night before (laughs) who has a very intense masturbation habit. You know, it's just everyone's putting on their normal people mask Mm -hmm. and it's very, I think you're right. Revolutionary is the word to even just be in a room full of naked people and be able to say, Oh, right. We're all human beings. We all have bodies that vary, but not as much as we're concerned about when we're in this normal world of like heightened scrutiny and sexual obsession. Absolutely. And that was, I mean, when I did my training, one of the, you know, you do the training to be able to hold space for other people, but I feel, I felt, and I think it's kind of, it should be this way that like almost the primary thing that happens through the training is that you go into your own healing journey so that you can embody the healing that you're hoping to offer others. So, um, you know, we were doing like, maybe we'd have like a morning lecture. This was like for two weeks. Um, We'd have a morning lecture and then afternoon body work where 
you might have two or three body work sessions of giving and receiving and then you have dinner and then the bell rings and it's like this is it's masturbation time and you know it was 25 of us in a room every night like you know, after dinner is not, I have to say, the best time. It's sort of yeah. like you're like, all right, I'm wound down. I had a long day and now, yeah, don't make me wank again. Like day seven, yeah. I was like, this is erotic boot camp. This is really yeah. hard. But it was some of the most transformative experiences I had to be in a space with like 25 people day after day going to that practice. And it was so... um it was so liberatory and it was so joyful. And I also feel in some ways like I will never be that close with a group of people ever again to have done that so intensely. And I mean, I hope that's not true. And I hope to, and I try to bring that all those things into my life in different ways. But there's something about um, just like bringing like sex back to that normal level, like to be wanking in the room or, you know, playing with someone's anus. And then 20 minutes later, after you've done all the hygiene things, eating snacks together, you know, and right. there's something like really, really powerful about that. Because our cinematic experience is so edited and abbreviated. When mm. you watch the action movie and then the hero and the generic female uh, love interest go to have sex, you jump cut to them in bed with the sheet wrapped around her mm -hmm. and I'm like there's an alien invasion going on like what was that sex like yeah. like what <laughs> you know like yeah you two just met under very stressful circumstances like I'm really curious as to what that was like mm. but we see all these jumpy highlight versions which I think takes us out of the reality that even in the craziest sex party eventually people are like gonna get hungry gonna get thirsty yeah. gonna need to go to the bathroom gonna have to like do yeah. various things my experience with like play parties and my training is like snacks are so important. Like you need to have grounding food. You need beverages. Not and, Doritos. Not Doritos. <laughs> you don't want a bunch of orange yeah. fingers everywhere. Yeah, no, definitely not. And then there is that piece of somatic sex education that is about like, you know, even the self-pleasure ritual, for example, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be touching your genitals. You know, you could be just like moving in an erotic way. And like the the really the guidelines are just to stay with your breath, mm -hmm. stay with movement, um, you know, allow sound to emerge and like and stay connected to what you're physically feeling with your hands and other parts of your body. And that in itself, like as like a as like a meditation of like slowing down the fact that most of us do like the quick and dirty wank most of the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a great thing. We should all do that. And also it's like in the same way that we often think like, oh, I'm going to take some extra time and like develop this part of, you know, I'm going to learn to cook a different recipe tonight or I'm going to do whatever kind of self-care, like actually just saying, okay, I'm going to spend half an hour with my body without like this like you know, like pressure to just get off and get on to the next thing is like so powerful. There's Tuesday night, I'm home alone, I'm making pasta and mm -hmm. then there's a dinner party. Mm -hmm. And we don't have as many sexual dinner parties. Exactly. Where it's an excuse to have time and space to dive into it more deeply and explore mm -hmm. and see what's there. Now, I was fascinated by what you said about how this grew out of the sexological um, body, work. body work, which came out of the AIDS crisis. Is this also connected? I know that... There was the Morehouse community out in California that led to uh, extended massive orgasm. And then that led to um, the woman who really just like branded it the Omin. Oh, right. Orgasmic uh, mm -hmm. masturbation. Meditation. Orgasmic mm -hmm. meditation. Mm -hmm. um, is that. Are they connected or are they completely separated? I don't know that they are. I'm not an expert in the evolution of it, um, but I would say that um, the lineage holders that I know 
like really came out of jo- Joseph Kramer and like Annie Sprinkle mm-hmm. um, who were kind of like really um, it was like really like a, a form of like intentional erotic bodywork um, exchanges that then became like professionalized as like a healing modality. Um, and there's like, you know, there's like a place upstate where they sort of like a gay men's tantra place where they've been doing this work for like 20 or 30 years, you know. And um, yeah. and so like the somatic sex education's only come about in the last 12 years. And there's a training in the Bay and there's a training up in British Columbia where I did mine um, with some wonderful folks. And it's just very um you can feel the radical roots of the lineage. Like all of my teachers were like, we're all sex workers, first Mm -hmm. of all, like not like this sometimes in like the Tantra new age world is a little bit like this is high sex and this is the low, this is sex work. That's different. And it's like like the same thing in the occult world where they're like, this is high ceremonial magic. We have our pinkies out and this is gutta trash magic. Exactly. It's like this, I was felt so safe on day one of that training. because I was like, okay, these are my people. We're all sex workers and there's different ways that people access this healing and pleasure and we can talk about bringing more awareness and conscious awareness to like the healing implications of the work but to me every whore is a healer like and I say whore with the most as someone who identifies as such in the most like affectionate way um and also they were kind of all like we're all witches and so there there was like a really beautiful sex magic container to the whole um intensive which meant that you know when we drew flashcards to see which two people were going to be paired up for the anal pleasure exercise for example I got paired up with someone who would activate my trauma in a safe space around that so that I could work through it in a you know in an intentional way um and you know just the the way that the um, training is constructed is like is very magical and that made a big difference to me as well as opposed to like maybe some some spaces would like separate that out you know there's a lot of um interweaving in the training it brings a lot of different things together a lot of like in, uh, also like insistence on you know there is a different magical theme to every wank that we did after dinner so one night was like gender and it was like come dressed in like the gender you're feeling in this moment you mm. know embody that and bring that to the wank you know or another day we'd meditate on ethics and like have a little conversation about it and then bring what came up to the wank so it was like really bringing the stuff that um that is so powerful to like think about consciously then into the body and is wank the preferred term (laughs) of the uh of the training or is that your own so what happened and i think it's probably shifted but you know there's sort of trends like in that year everyone got really into calling it the wank because the british slang is like we don't really have it feels like a very friendly slang yeah whereas like you know like i don't know so i was asking someone for better suggestions the other day and they were like um choking the chicken like Ugh. beaten off like jerking, jerking off. off it's just all even like, masturbate is very syllabically mm, like and i unwieldy. think one of the origins of the word is to like abuse yourself with your hand yeah and it's like it's like built in you could feel it like it doesn't feel like a nice word yeah. to say even as a sex educator i'm like masturbate i will say it yeah. because i love bringing it into a space but i'm also like sad that i can feel the energy of like how that word evolved well it feels like the other kind of sex educator where it's like some teacher at the front of a classroom <laughs> being like masturbation and yeah, everyone's like yeah. 
this is not who we want to talk about. Yeah. So, you know, I use it sometimes, but I do love just saying the wank because it's a very affectionate kind of way of referring to it. But there is a way of reclaiming, too. I mean, you know, I loved the way one of my teachers, Corinne, would always like just be like, and then when you touch your genitals and like when the way she said genitals yeah. made this word that I kind of thought of as like kind of like biology, you know, into this like really sexy word. Um, so there's there's a reclaiming yeah. and there's always power in that reclaiming, too. Well, I would love to shift to talking about how our listeners can reclaim their power mm. and talk about whatever spell we're going to give them to put this practice into motion in their own lives. Mm. Well, I feel like um, to me, the most powerful spell is to is to shift like a certain habit or a way of being in sex. And there's lots of ways to do that. But if so if anyone's already got that idea of how that should happen in their mind, like that's the thing. And if not, um, I would say that like um, maybe that three minute game of if you can find someone to ask, like, how would you like to be touched for three minutes? Okay. And then you each take turns doing that. And how would you like to be touched for three minutes? And you each take turns doing that. And that kind of bringing of consciousness um, to sex and play can like really it's a very magical act when I've experimented with it and with my partners I've found that we went to completely different places from there I always like to say that my favorite sex toy is a timer yeah <laughs> totally yeah containers thank, thank you Britta <laughs> you're very welcome for more of Britta's work visit BrittaLoved.com And if you like the pleasure that we've discussed in this episode and want to get a taste of that sweet group wank energy for yourself, we humbly invite you to check out our recent 6-9 ceremony available in the podcast archives where you can join in with this podcast as a ritual's time-spanning magic to generate and offer pleasure into the group experience, creating a slightly better podcast for us all to enjoy. Or if you would like to contribute the old-fashioned way, with money instead of that sweet pleasure honey, visit patreon.com slash thispodcastisaritual, where an offering of just $4.20 helps us unlock new doors of possibility. Until next time, I'm Devin Person. I believe in you. Your pleasure is important.